0: I was, in, I was
1: Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Greetings, welcome, and all that jazz. I have an awesome show set up for you guys this evening, culminating in a story I've been dying to get on the show since it came in. But I'll tell you this, we're not going to get anywhere by me yapping. So let's get the stories rolling. Now what do you say we start off a little bit different today? Maybe we ease into this one. Let's start off with a little something ghostly, yet lighthearted. For that, I have just the thing. The following is Jay's story, out of Canada.
0: Hi Derek, um, this is Jay calling from Montreal, Canada. And my story uh, that I have for you today is a bit of a, not strange, but a bit uncommon, I guess I could say. It started about a year ago, um, and just to preface, I do, I live in a very small apartment, so I can, it's a bachelor, so I can see my entire apartment no matter where I am sitting, and I live with a lot of pets. So right now, um, it's a cat and a couple of reptiles, um, but about a year ago, I had some rabbits, and um, for people who've never had rabbits, they're basically like, vegetarian cats like they act very similarly they're very active and they're much bigger than most people seem to think they are so my rabbit passed away at age seven very suddenly um and then I called my mom distraught um and she was basically like oh don't panic just put him in the freezer and we'll bury him in the spring I'm sure to anyone who doesn't have pets this sounds completely horrifying Um, But for us, it was kind of like common sense because we bury all of our pets in the backyard of my mom's big house. And um, I wasn't keen on bringing him to an exotic vet to have his body just destroyed. So it seemed very logical to me at the time. So um, about six months passed. And then in the spring, I brought my rabbit to my mom's house and we buried it in the backyard. And that was that but after i buried him some weird things started happening around the apartment um i would be lying down on my bed and i would feel a gust of wind on my face or something ruffle my hair um and then other times uh i would hear a loud thump from the spot where his cage used to be now this is the type of thump that could be mistaken for the sound of a of a heater turning over but there's nothing like that in my apartment and the space where his cage used to be is now occupied by a big terrarium with a snake in it so there's nothing really there that could make that sound and my rabbit used to make that thumping noise a lot when he was agitated or annoyed and it, it's a, co- a common rabbit noise that I would recognize very very well um, and then other times out of the corner of my eye I would see a little shape um, like uh, that looked a lot like my old rabbit when he would get on his hind legs and look around. And when I would turn and look, there would be nothing there, but I would be certain that I had seen something. So I keep getting these little uh, little um, experiences in this apartment, and it seems like my, my rabbit is still around, uh, causing trouble, as he would in life. So this is sort of a story to show that not every ghost story has to be scary. Love the podcast. Uh, Keep doing
1: what you're doing. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for the call, Jay. There was a particular experience and detail that I felt may have a bit of a relationship to one another, something I think we should explore further. Now, Jay mentioned that she could hear thumps or knocks where her rabbit's cage once was, a spot now taken by a reptile terrarium. Well, when I heard this, it all kind of locked into place. You see, most people that keep reptiles know they need to keep them warm in order for them to stay healthy, especially in the colder northern regions, such as Canada. So to achieve this, many enthusiasts slash pet owners use heat rocks and heat lamps, the key word there being heat. In addition, many also implore the use of misting machines to raise the humidity to better match the occupant's natural habitat. Well, as it turns out, heat and moisture are two key elements in warping and twisting wood. An act that typically and coincidentally produces a loud thumping or cracking sound. As the wood shrinks and expands, it pulls and pushes other pieces, causing friction and thus an audible sound. Now, of course, I'm not saying that the other occurrences that Jay experienced were not valid. I just so happen to see an explanation for one of those odd occurrences. But I will say this. I'd certainly have no problem if one of my past pets did decide to pay a visit to me from beyond the veil. Thanks again, Jay, for that awesome little experience. Up next, we make our way to the Midwest of the U.S. To a state I'll be driving through in the coming days. Missouri. This is Zach's call from the Show Me State.
2: Hi, um, my name is Zach, um, I'm from Missouri in the, uh, Kansas City area, and, uh, I was just calling, um, because a strange occurrence happened to me and my friends actually last summer, um, uh, we were all roughly 19, 20 years old, and, uh, Basically, we were all standing outside my friend's house in Kansas um, in a residential area in the neighborhood. And uh, it was a clear night. And uh, we were all enjoying cigarettes and just talking to each other roughly 10 p.m., not a cloud in the sky. Um, we were all standing under a streetlight just talking to each other. When one of my friends notices something above us, And he points it out, and we all look up, and we notice a, I mean, I want to call it, like, a cardboard cutout of an angel, almost. And it was transparent, somewhat. It it was white, almost looked semi-transparent, and it looks like its wings were out to the side, and um but it wasn't flapping like a bird would and that's what we assumed like it could have been like an owl or something or maybe it was a plastic bag flying through the air but it was it was just above us just over a street light maybe five feet above the street light and uh we noticed though that the line was far too deliberate in which it was traveling so we ruled out the possibility of it being a plastic bag and uh, it was also just moving way too slow. I would estimate like three miles per hour. This thing was just taking its sweet time flying overhead and we tried to follow it but it flew over somebody else's house and we kinda of cut through their yard. We were just also freaked out at that point and everybody kind of went their separate ways and we were all just kind of freaking out and not knowing exactly what had happened. Um, anyways, um, big fan of your podcast, um, and uh, if you have any ideas of what that could have been, possibly, if we were all just freaking out over nothing, I don't know, but it was definitely strange, and it kind of, kind of kickstarted me on this whole, kind of, kind of helped me dive deeper into paranormal things. Anyways, thank you. Thank you, Zack.
1: I've heard my fair share of these encounters and I simply cannot get enough of them. But as I was listening to Zack's call, I immediately thought the boys simply saw white party balloons or perhaps Mylar birthday balloons. The size, description, and manner of movement all lined up. But that's when Zack threw a wrench into the works. He claimed that the creature was five feet above a streetlight Now, streetlights average 25 feet in the U.S., so adding 5 more feet would put the being at about 30 feet above the witnesses. Dark or not, the boys should have been able to determine that this quote-unquote creature was a balloon and not something from another world. Now, one thought did cross my mind. If the creature was hovering above a streetlight, is it possible that the glare limited visibility, disguising vital details? But, then again, if they followed it down the street, surely... They would have gotten at least one good look at this thing. Now, this much I will tell you whatever it is, I hope it swings past my house, because I'd love to take a look. Now, I should note that Zack is not alone when it comes to seeing strange flying humanoids. In fact, the sightings have been so frequent that they actually made a Monster Quest episode on the subject.
3: Even more shocking than Samaniego's account is the fact that there may be video evidence to prove it. In the skies above Santa Monica, California, a bulky humanoid shape is reported floating over this wealthy Los Angeles suburb. Here, a dark human-like form is seen above craggy peaks near Monterey, Mexico, close to San Diego's encounter. Further to the south in Mexico City, several airborne humanoids are filmed drifting above this metropolis of 22 million people this strange phenomenon has been reported across north america with similar objects reported in the skies above arizona wisconsin and washington state
1: that clip comes to us from episode 55 terror in the sky i do realize that clip was very image heavy but I felt the information included was vital in supporting my claim that encounters like Zach's have happened before. Thank you again Zach for taking the time to share this creepy tale. I know I will be looking up much more often. Okay guys, quick announcement. The time is growing near. On September 8th and 9th I'll be at Crypticon in Frankfort, Kentucky. I'll have some Monsters Among Us gear and a few cryptic crate items to hawk and, and this is the scariest part for me. I will be doing my very first ever public speaking event. So if you like monsters, feet, Mothman, and watching me embarrass myself, do yourself a favor and pick up a ticket today. Now, if I'm not a big enough draw, consider meeting Bob Gimlin, Bobo and Cliff from Finding Bigfoot, Travis Walton, and many, many more. Visit cryptidcon.com for more information. Now, our next story is very difficult to categorize. Is it a sleep paralysis story or is it something more? You be the judge. The following is Calypso's story out of Motown.
4: Hi, it's Calypso, um calling again from Detroit, Michigan. Um this is a story a, about uh astral projection, sleep paralysis. Um so this story, it, this happened some years ago, um, I'd say maybe six years ago, seven years ago. Uh so around two thousand ten, two thousand and eleven, um I uh um was I I had a difficult time I guess. Um I was having a hard time, so I was sharing a bedroom with my dad we were both sleeping in the living room my dad was sleeping on a rollaway bed and um, I'm a daddy's girl and I was in my 20s and I was just having a bad time so I wanted to sleep in the same room with him so I decided to sleep on the couch and we're both sleeping in the living room or he's sleeping and I'm having a hard time falling asleep so um, I have a mild case of narcolepsy, um, not where you fall asleep on yourself, but I get all of the other um, symptoms of it. So uh, I get cataplexy, which is um, the lack of muscle tension and extreme throes of emotion, like excitement or fear, kind of like a fainting goat. But I get mine in my ankles, very much like a fainting goat. And I also get sleep paralysis, um, excessive daytime sleepiness, whatever. But this is about sleep paralysis. So with the sleep paralysis I have um, what is called hypnagogic hallucinations so my sleep paralysis happens before I go to sleep I will be laying in bed and next thing I know my body is completely paralyzed I'm still conscious I can look around but I'll start to see hear and feel things well um, I'm having a hard time going to sleep on the couch because I keep getting paralyzed and it prevents me from falling asleep because it kind of spooks you when you can't move and you start seeing and hearing things but I've been dealing with that since I um, hit puberty, so I'm not so scared of it anymore, and I actually still deal with it very regularly now. But in this case, my dad um, got up to go to the restroom, and I felt myself go into sleep paralysis when he was getting up. But I wasn't paralyzed. I sat up and I looked at him walked across the living room and he looked like he didn't notice that I was sitting up and awake so I decided to stand up and I noticed that I couldn't feel my feet and I was very off balanced and I um, kept grabbing on to bracing myself on the wall to keep my balance and I noticed that I just it was like I didn't have a normal physical form the best way I can explain it is I felt like a ghost. Um, I couldn't feel or hear my footfall and I couldn't feel or hear my feet. So as I'm trying to brace myself on these walls, I, uh, kind of stumble and I catch, I, I fall forward. And as I fall forward, I slap my hand on the back of my dad as he's walking down the hallway to go to the bathroom because I was following him. When my hand met his back, It was an instantaneous kind of snap. I immediately was on the couch laying down. And I just kind of dismissed it. I was like, oh, this must be sleep paralysis, whatever. I'm just probably having hallucinations thinking that my dad got up to go to the bathroom. And then I heard the bathroom door close. And I looked over at the couch And my dad wasn't... I looked over at his rollaway bed, and he's not on the rollaway bed. So he indeed did get up and go into the bathroom. And I, uh... When he came out, I asked him, Did you notice me following you? Down the hallway. And he goes, No, sweetie, go back to sleep. So I don't really know what happened. (laughs) But, uh... As far as I have read and researched, it sounds like accidental astral projection. Who knows? could just be my narcolepsy. Anyway, thank you again so much for listening to me. You're doing awesome. I'm going to keep submitting. (laughs) Thank you so much. Bye.
1: Thank you, Calypso. With stories like this, it's incredibly difficult to make a guess at an explanation. The details surrounding the event are fuzzy at best, and the timeline even becomes a bit jumbled at points, though through no fault of Calypsos. That's just the nature of an experience like this. I did, however, feel it necessary to explain exactly what astral projection is. Now, astral projection is a term used to describe a willful out-of-body experience, or OBE, that assumes the existence of a soul or consciousness called an astral body, that is separate from the physical body and capable of traveling outside it, throughout the universe. So in other words, your spirit leaves to explore while your body remains behind, catching up on some much needed sleep. Now I have a feeling we haven't heard the last about astral projection, but let's save that rabbit hole for another time. I have a funny feeling we could be down there a while. Thank you again, Calypso, and perhaps you're more gifted than you realize. Maybe it's time you started stretching those mental muscles. All right, as I promised, I have one more call for you, but you know what's coming first. Be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever it is you get your Monsters Among Us. And if you can't leave a rating for some reason, tell a friend that you think will like the show. That would be pretty awesome. The store is stocked. Get your koozies, t-shirts, ringtones, or decals by visiting MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com forward slash shop. While you're at it, consider hitting that donate button as well. And I should mention that I'm finally getting the hang of this Patreon thing, so episodes and videos are coming out more regularly now. If you want to check out all the bonus content, simply visit patreon.com, and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot and search for Monsters Among Us podcast. $4 and up gets you all the goodies. And lastly, a little bit of bad news. I'm driving back to Ohio early next week for a couple weddings and to attend Crypticon, so there will be no new show next week. But I do plan on stopping at several attractions and cryptid hotspots along the way, so I'll be posting videos on Facebook and through my Instagram story, so be sure to check out both of those starting Tuesday the 21st. Alrighty then. As I said in the opener, I have a story that I'm real excited to share with you guys. When this story fell into my inbox, I knew it was something that would make jaws drop. So, without further ado, the following is Justin's story from the state of Washington.
2: Hi, my name's Justin. Uh, my
5: story is from 2016, the summertime. Uh, my wife and I, and uh, her two daughters, and then our one daughter, uh, lived in Washington State, and we were wanted to take our kids to a theme park. And the closest one really to us is in Idaho. It used to be Dollywood and it turned into silverwood. We were going to go there. So, uh, we packed up the kids and headed on I-90 to that area. And, uh, when we got there, we, uh, found a place to shelter. We had a, a so we sheltered the dog and, uh, we went to go get a hotel and we didn't really plan ahead uh, or think about, you know, um, it being summertime or whatnot. So, uh, well, for like 30 miles around that place we could not find a hotel there was not one open and uh there was nowhere to camp at the actual silverwood itself it was sold out <clears throat> so we went to uh campgrounds around there because there's a lot you know in the area and they were literally all booked up uh but one of them gave us this uh, uh piece of paper with like uh directions out into federal land like kind of heading east towards like uh lake Pend uh out there anyway, they, it, it says there's a lot of free camping out there, but it uh, it, it didn't, it, it just kind of sent you, it was odd. So we, we got this paper and we went towards there. We were looking at Google Google Maps and we, we shot off into this forest area. We kind of found our way in and uh, we were driving through there and uh, there, there was no real cl- uh, camping spots, nowhere to really uh, just kind of set up with three kids and feel safe, you know? So uh, we camped a lot. We, we camped around Barlow Pass and Washington State, I mean, a lot. We, we camped every other weekend uh, for, for two, three years coming up to this. So pulling over and camping wasn't going to be an issue. There just wasn't really a good spot that felt okay. So as we were driving looking for a spot, we started seeing these signs that said, uh, the lodge. And uh, it, it, I think it originally it said like 30 miles or something like that. We had a full tank of gas. And we figured, why not? We'll, we'll go to a lodge. We'll see if there's, you know... There's a lodge out here. We'll see. We, we had, you know, we brought enough money. We figured we'd spend a few hundred dollars if we had to, to get everybody into a place and be safe for the night. So we started following these signs, and it, it just took us deeper and deeper into the uh the, this this area, the federal forest out there in Idaho. And uh, we ended up coming to this this point where we we came out of the woods a little bit, and you could see the road where we had to go, and it was on the ridge of a mountain. To the left and to the right was a complete. Like cliff drop off, and you could just see for miles in the distance. I mean, it was just—it was scary looking. There wasn't a whole lot of road to go across, so we go across anyway. Right. And uh, not too long after this, for like 20 more minutes of driving, we, we come to this lodge, and it's it's not what you would think. It is—it's definitely like people erected this. Uh, folks that live out here that are that are not paying taxes. This is their spot. They're um they're walking around out there with just guns and assault rifles out. Uh, at the time of year this was, in 2016, they had just uh, uh, passed an open carry law in Idaho, and these people were celebrating that there. So we, we felt very unsafe there. We didn't even ask if they had room. It looked like they might have had some type of in-structure thing going on, but we, we didn't even ask. We, we bought some milk uh, to fill up the bottles. We, we planned on going just a little farther uh, to this lake area where, on our map, it said, they think it was Lake Penoriel or Crystal Lake, some kind of lake right there that um, it said there was going to be a a rest stop or kind of area. So we went. We were heading there, and uh, when we got up to that area, it was clear that there were people just living there. I mean, there were kids in their underwear, up to, I mean, like 13, 14-year-olds, walking around in their underwear in and out of the lake and clotheslines. And it it, was like driving into somebody's front yard instead of what should have been um, a rest area with, you know, bathrooms and stuff. And you could see the bathrooms, they'd just been converted into a... uh, a home. So anyway, we turned around and decided we we're going to get out of there, <clears throat> and we, we were going back much quicker. We, we figured we would um we would just drive farther away and look for a hotel. We didn't care if we if we to get back and watch if we had to go to Spokane to get a hotel. We'd just drive back in the morning. So we were flying out of there, and the, the we were going the same way for the most part that we we came in. We were trying to follow it back out, and we never we never came to that ridge point where we came across and it was really hairy, you know, you're like you're on the top of like some seriously tall mountains and you're just looking down both directions. And it's like in the movies, you know, it's just wide enough for your, your vehicle to travel across. We never came back across that. Instead we came out like halfway into this area where there was this rest stop that on, on the the left side of the hill. So on the, we're driving on the road and to our right, it dropped down. So it S down to a, a parking lot and this is where we had our experiences where it got where we both my wife and I had separate experiences but it just extremely strange. And it was paranormal but it it wasn't paranormal. So anyway, as I S down um to the parking lot. The parking lot was rectangle. The driveway dropped kinda in the right center of the parking lot and directly in front of you, it was just, I mean, it was a rectangle from left to right parking lot. And there was parking spots, like maybe 12 to 15 from the left to the right. And directly in front of them was a guardrail. And it it, it appeared the landscape just a few feet, in, you know, after the guardrail kind of sloped down, um, two to three feet and then went out straight. And it, it just kind of had that same appearance for a while. And there were some hills in the background. It definitely wasn't like the, the huge drop off area you'd seen before it was kind of plain. And, uh, we stopped there so the kids could go to the bathroom and whatnot. And I'd gotten out of the car with the dog and my wife got out with one of the girls and had taken her, was was walking her over to the, um, to the bathroom. That was, there was a bathroom off to the right in this parking lot area where we parked. And she was walking over there and she kept, she was mentioning like, that looks strange. Doesn't that look strange? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I was just kind of stretching my legs after getting out of those, that area in the woods, I was kind of, you know, in this open area. I was kind of, I was happy. Yeah. <clears throat> to the left of the parking lot, there was a trail that went off, and you could see that it kind of went over to there was some kind of structure, like a a, a roofing kind of, uh, almost like a pier that would have a roof, you, like wood slatted on top, and you could see it kind of over to your left, just a little bit kind of outcropping. So uh, I, I was going to take the dog and go walk over there, and uh, my wife was bringing one of the girls back while I was telling her I was going to do that, and uh, getting getting the uh, the other one to go to the bathroom. Uh, we had a, a, a youngest daughter was in a car seat, but she was asleep, so she wasn't in in diapers. She wasn't going to be getting out. So I, I I go over to the left and I go down this trail, and it's just it's a walking path that's cemented, and it it it, it goes in to the left and the right and comes into this this uh this pier kind of. It's, it's not a pier, but it's it's just an area that's covered that's like twenty feet long uh, to the left. There's a, a waist height. There's like um, a display board that runs the length and to the end, and then there's, it, it runs over in front of you directly, and then it comes back, kind of like in a J shape. And it, it has writing and stuff on. It, it's kind of explaining what is going on there. And as you're coming into this area, there's uh, the, this, you know, this structure on your left side um, is built into kind of like a rock wall that's maybe three, four feet tall right there that's exposed over, you know, you can see kind of over it for just a few feet. There's like a little landscape area right there. And then some, uh, as you're walking into your left, um, to this, uh, structure. So I, I walked into the structure and I immediately just kind of walked into the back of it. And I looked out and I mean, at the end of it, and I looked out into the direction where you would have been looking, uh, if you were at the car in the parking lot, looking straight out it the plain, but it, it looked different and I can't even begin to explain what it looked like because. I, my brain like didn't accept what I saw. I I, I can't even explain it better than that I didn't see what I saw, but I, I saw something and was like, "What the hell?" And I looked down at the um display board in front of me, and it didn't make any sense. Like for what I was looking at. So I, I was like, "Okay." I turned to my left and I was walking back to the um beginning of this display board, which was also back kind of at the beginning of where the structure had started, and I. <laughs> I got to that spot, so I'm right at kind of the beginning of this wood structure, and to the left of me is just this little landscape area and that rock wall that's the natural rock wall uh, that's that's in this for this landscape area right there. <clears throat> and you could, if I wanted to, I could have climbed over that rock wall and kind of went over the structure and ran out to where, you know, down out to the area that I was looking at, but like, this wasn't my intention. It's just, it's right there, you know? And uh, behind, I uh, just, a little farther back about the woods so you can't really you know it's all uh, uh, green with the trees and whatnot so you can't do anything you just have to go back out that path back up to the parking lot. uh so just this landscape me standing there and while i'm standing there somebody comes over that rock wall and it looks it looks just like a person like me and they look like they're wearing like um like blue or green uh columbia like, like, um, rain gear kind of wear, you know what I mean? And they put the, and like the hood's on or something's up because I can make out the outline. Now, this is in my peripheral, so I'm seeing this very quickly. Somebody takes like two steps, they squat down just like I would on top of like a structure or the, you know, a drop, uh, anywhere you're kind of coming to the edge of, like a loading dock, and you're going to jump off, but you don't want to completely just jump off. So you kind of squat down, put a hand down, and then just kind of leap down, you know? This person did that. And as they were doing this, I, it scared me. Like, they, they completely caught me off guard. So I was like, oh, my God, you scared me. And as I was saying that, I was looking toward them, and I stopped. I didn't, I didn't get it all the way out because, like, fear of what I was looking at or seeing just completely, I mean, when you get goosebumps or goose pimples and all your hair stands up, that happened times ten. Like, just immediately it felt like my skin all over my body it was like an inch off my body because what I saw I could see through this person wasn't like a defined person like you would see a person I could see through them kind of like like the predator or something in the movie except it wasn't it, the, the middle part of the person wasn't like shaped kind of like you know like a 3D image you were looking for it was just kind of distorted and blurry and it, it wasn't right you know and the um the person, when they moved, had an outline that was kind of like when you see like one of those NASA um, feeds and it's, it's of the earth or whatever, and it's got the sun or whatever, some type of light hitting the, the atmosphere, and it's got that just light thin yellow line that kind of glows above the atmosphere. This thing had that. It was like that same type of yellow neon just kind of glowing around the very outside of it when it moved. And when it stopped moving, like so, this thing, it, this this thing, this guy, this guy, drawn. I mean, it was a guy. Of, for all my life experience, this was a person, not a Bigfoot, not anything crazy. This guy was my build, a little taller. I'm five five. This guy was about five eight, five nine, and kind of just military build, if that makes sense. And uh, the, the attire, when I think back, was very much just military kind of outline attire. The the kind of, um, how do you explain it, like a a, a raincoat or something. The outline, it's not straight, it's not a straight line for your arm or whatever, because there's like wrinkles in the the fabric or whatever. So anyway, this guy dropped, he like spotted down, he he dropped down, and I I turned and said, oh my God, uh, I'm sorry you scared me, you know what I mean? And I stopped, I didn't get, you scared me all the way out, because the person, when they dropped down, they took like a step forward, then they turned like facing me and put their arms at their side and they just stopped moving and when they stopped moving and like the slower they went to when they stopped that outline just kind of it got harder to see and the distortion between them kind of cleared like in between the lines like where his body was kind of cleared up and he just disappeared like he was gone when he stopped moving i couldn't see anything and i i Oh my god, I freaked out. I didn't jump or scream right now. I just my heart beat insanely in my chest. And my dog I looked I looked back up this you know, the to the end of the structure where I looked out originally and um to to see my dog or say something to my dog, like, Oh, what's going on? And the dog had ran like away, he wasn't there. I looked back. He was back up the the cement trail that the the path that led out of there with his tail between his legs and his ear down, hauling at. And I um I had to I had to follow him, and I had to step by this guy. Now, this landscape was right next to the trail, and it, this is an enclosed area. So, when, to walk down the tr- the path to go back out of here, you had to walk right by this person that was standing there. And this person was close enough that if they wanted to, they could have put their arm out, like leaned out and just grabbed me. So, it it scared me tremendously. <clears throat> and I ended up yelling, uh, bolt, bolt, what's wrong? And I, I like, kind of took a step or two and then just broke into a dead sprint after the dog. I got out of that area, back into the um, parking lot area. I didn't even look back. I was running, and I, as I ran to the car, I was slowing down in front of the car. All the kids were in the car, but my wife was in front of the truck, and she was just staring out into that open landscape area that's still was kind of planted. She was, she was asking me, "Do you see that?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And I mean, I was scared, scared out of my mind. And she was, noticed it right away and was asking, "What's wrong?" And I was telling her, I just, I just, I think I just saw something. Just, we got to go. And uh, I just wanted her to get in the car. She's like, do you see that over there? Though? Doesn't that look funny? It's a green screen. And I was like, what are you talking about? It, I was getting in the vehicle while she's saying this, and she was getting in with me. And I I never, I never stopped to take the time because I was so scared to look at what she was looking at or to, to really appreciate what she was saying. I began to get more of what she was talking about uh, as we were getting out of there. But my... My concern once leaving that 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 uh, rest area or whatever that was was to just get the hell out of there. I wanted back to civilization, and out of that whole federal forest area. So it was later that she was I, I could actually hear her and uh, hear what she was saying, and what she was saying was that when we parked, looking directly out in front of us, she found she could see a line, like I mean, a square. She could make out a defined square where the the, the, like, there was a green screen where the landscape didn't match what was on the side of it. I mean, I don't know how to explain it any better than that. Like, the colors were off. Like, she she hopefully will call in one day and it, explain this from her side of it uh, and let you know, because like, she didn't see what I saw and experience what I experienced, and I didn't really experience what she experienced. But for lack of, I mean, better understanding, she said that the entire landscape in front of us to a point from left to right and at a certain height, and began at a certain distance out. That she said we could have walked out, or if we would have picked up rocks, she said we could have thrown it at him at this at this you know scene in front of us, and that it would have gone through it or hit something. Or she she was adamant that what she was seeing was was fake. It was just a uh, a screen projecting like an image. And uh, yeah. So I I ran. I don't I don't know if what what uh what that was or what we saw, but it it definitely was not paranormal in the sense of um, Bigfoot and UFOs and all of those uh, kind of things. It was, um, this was like, man, this was definitely a human. I mean, there was nothing that scared me in that sense while I experienced it. And my wife's experience with the green screen, it would all kind of suggest, I don't know, you know, some type of military operation or movement or I, I don't know, I would hate to I, I mean, I'm speculating, but I hate to speculate and I don't know, for the life of me I can't, I looked out <clears throat> of at the landscape from the end of that structure and I don't I have a blank, I do not know what I saw, I know that it, it didn't match what I thought I should be saying and that's why I walked over to go and begin reading what the display area was saying about the, the area and why it was or whatever, and uh, that's when the dude dropped down next to me and, and changed my whole perception of what you should be aware of and afraid of and i i yeah I, it's potentially people out there hunting and doing things they might you know these these see-through things they, i don't i don't think those are necessarily always Bigfoots or, or ghosts or i think there's definitely some kind of technology being used that that's hiding hiding people and i think that uh Movement and light, neon, things like that have something to do with, with uh, how they're working. Uh, anyway, that's that's my experience. Man. Thank you. Love the show. Uh, completely hooked. And uh, we'll keep listening as long as you keep making it. Have a great day. Bye.
1: Thank you, Justin. Wow. Just wow. There's a lot to unpack here but let's start with Justin's storytelling abilities. I'll be honest, when I first started listening, I was thinking to myself, "Eh, this is kind of dragging on. But as we neared the climax of the story, I was glued to my headphones. Justin has a way of sucking you into his story and I wanted to commend him on that. My second thought was literally, what the hell? What could this thing possibly be? Outside of an upright land octopus, what could possibly implement camouflage like that? Then it all hit me. I remember hearing another story similar to this one some time ago on a website devoted to the paranormal. Unfortunately, I could not find that particular story, but I did find the next best thing. YouTube user Fantastic Daily breaks down paranormal video and audio. Not all that dissimilar from what I do. And luckily for us, he featured a video just like Justin's experience. And just like the flying humanoid video from earlier in the show, this one is very image-based, but... I also think the verbal information he puts forth is very valuable when it comes to this story. So, I'm going to play a portion of the video now.
6: You better buckle up, because I've got something good for you. Now, this video is cool. I'm going to read you guys the email first, because there's some like extenuating circumstances around it that I think uh, I should make clear. I'm going to have to like redact a couple things. You'll, you'll see. Just let me read the email. I've been an avid outdoorsman, and I've spent 40 or so years in various bush here in the States, South America, and Asia. My point is that I know what I'm doing in the wilderness. I strongly agree that many of the missing 411 cases are disappearances on account of inexperience. I have seen some strange things in the forest over the years, but nothing like what I recorded recently. To explain what happened, I got to admit that I was hunting illegally in the—and I'm redacting the name of the area— Sounds bad, but as a lot of us locals know, despite the permitting, the overpop is really bad. These things are a real nuisance. I don't know what he's referring to being, like, overpopulated, but it doesn't matter. So I don't feel so bad about doing it, but please keep the location stuff to yourself. Getting nicked would be bad. So I'm out there a couple hours, and the whole time I have this sense of being followed. At first I thought I was being paranoid due to lack of license, but I started to hear things too. This sounds weird, but I kept hearing steam escaping. I would hear it behind me and in front of me. It had a very mechanical sound. After a while, I just planted my feet and tried to scope out the area. About 20 or so minutes of me just staying still, and I start to sense movement in the grove up ahead. I kept concentrating on the grove, and I could tell that my vision was getting screwy. I was having a hard time focusing, or at least I thought I was until I looked away from the grove and my vision was perfect. I realized I was seeing some kind of mirage, that's the only way I can explain it, in the grove ahead of me. I took out my phone, I got a couple of seconds of it before it stopped. I've never had an experience like that before and I can't explain what I recorded, can you?
1: I highly suggest you check out these videos when you have a moment. And if you're a member of the Facebook group, I'm sure Addy will be posting these at some point this week. Now these two aren't the only instances where something like this has been spotted. In fact, Fantastic Daily goes on to discuss another encounter with a cloaked figure later on in that video. So it's clear that something is happening around us, but our next question is, what is it? Well, as I was researching, I recalled a news story I'd seen on Facebook several years ago.
3: Camouflage can be the difference between a soldier getting shot and going home. Uh so a lot's riding on the next generation design to outfit troops it's only been eight years since the army spent five billion dollars on camo that critics say didn't fool anyone soldiers complained to the point the army abandoned its one-size-fits-all universal pattern so they were looking for camouflage that they could use everywhere correct and it, it didn't work anywhere. Guy Kramer is one of the designers competing to win the Army's next multi-million dollar contract. This yeah. summer, he showed us the science behind every shape, size and shade of these pixels. You now have your camouflage. So we're trying to trick the brain into seeing things that aren't actually there. Digital patterns recreate shapes already found in nature and 3D layering creates depth and shadows where none exist. That's today's design, but developers already have one eye on tomorrow. What's coming up down the road and very quickly is the Harry Potter cloak. What is it? With that fictional cloak, Harry isn't just camouflaged, he's invisible.
4: My body's gone.
3: How invisible are we talking here? If I walked into a room with a soldier wearing one of these cloaks? You wouldn't see him at all. Uh, He would be completely invisible to you. This isn't make-believe the military has seen the so-called quantum stealth technology. It works by bending the light around an object, even concealing most of a person's shadow. Imagine what that could do for a sniper hiding in a field or the American pilots who ejected over Libya when their fighter jets crashed last year. They could actually pull out, uh, very similar to what they carry, with a survival blanket, throw it over top of them, and unless you walked right into them, you wouldn't know that they were there. So what was once firmly in the world of make-believe could quickly become quite real. The science is in the special fabric, so you don't need a power source or some instruction manual to make it work. Theoretically, any soldier, even in the most remote location, could quickly put it on and get it work.
1: That clip comes courtesy of CNN. And I should add that when it comes to military technology, if we're hearing about it, It's likely tech they've utilized for several years. So could it be that simple? Is this just new camouflage technology from our own government? Did Justin stumble into a training exercise? Did he witness someone using this technology and simply panic? Not that I wouldn't have. Now perhaps the dead giveaway was his wife's mention of a green screen implemented near the sighting location. Certainly, that was no coincidence. But this leaves me with one question. Why test this technology where they're likely to run into people? Unless that was the point all along. To mingle among citizens to see if they truly are invisible. Thanks again, Justin, for that awesome call. It was a lot of fun to do research on that one. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Warren Abbott and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production was done so under the protection of fair use. Music for this episode was provided by Mayu and Coag Music. Thank you all for listening, and until next time.
0: starts with an invitation to experience Lexus, to get behind the wheel, to go out on the open road, to feel a rush of adrenaline. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle, but it becomes an exhilarating experience. The invitation to Lexus sales event. Your invitation is always open, but the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at
5: your Lexus dealer.
0: Click the banner to discover more.